Hey everybody, welcome back to Stuff You Don't Need to Know, and this is Jay, and I'm going to be opening the doors once again to Black Belt Theater. Time to talk about another martial arts classic. So let me just ask you, you ever been in a street fight situation? You know, you're surrounded by some pretty bad dudes, and you thought to yourself, man, I really wish I had a pommel horse here, I teach these guys a lesson, or some uneven parallel bars, or a set of rings, so I can integrate my karate with my gymnastics ability. I mean, if you haven't guessed it by now, I am talking about the 1985 classic, Jim Cotta. Oh, God. This is the worst of the worst, which, in my opinion, makes it the best of the best. You know, they say about some movies, it is so bad it's good. That's Jim Cotta. It is so god-awful. It's, it's just that good. You have to watch it. If you've never seen this film, watch it. Find it somewhere. I'm sure it's on YouTube. I'm sure you can get it for free anywhere. I'm sure you can go to your local Walgreens and look in that $1 DVD discount bin and find it. You haven't seen this film, you have to watch it. I mean, this is this Jim Cotta is the definition of it is so bad, it is good. And if you did see it and you do agree with me, but it's been a while since you've seen it, watch it again. I mean, let's just dive right into it. So, on the surface, if you look at this film, the premise you know, I mean for an action film, the premise isn't that bad. I mean, it's not great, but for what it was, you know, and you got to figure out this time. All right. So let's look at it. This film came out in 1985 and a couple of things were happening right around that time. We had a couple of crazes going on, if you will. Uh, You know, these martial arts action films, you know, they were starting to really kind of hit their stride around this time. Uh, You know, and we were producing a lot of stuff that, you know, we used to call direct-to-video I guess nowadays you guys would call it direct to Netflix or something like that. I mean, these were films that were not going to see the light of day in the theater. If they did, they were very, very local theaters and just, you know, kind of in there, out there sort of a things. I mean, these were things that were, you know, these films were made really just to go straight to video to watch like on a Saturday night, you know, USA's up all night, uh, years later to be shown on Mystery Science Theater 3000. Fun fact even though they reference the film a lot, Jim Cotta, for licensing reasons, and I don't know why they can't get the license for it, but for licensing reasons, Jim Cotta has yet to appear, as of this recording, has yet to appear on an episode of Mystery Science Theater 3000, but they do reference it a lot, and we'll get to that in a minute. But yeah, we were having these trends of just these just random, not random, but just a flood of martial arts films. A while back, my friend Alan came on and we talked about that ninja craze, which kind of came out around this time where we got a ton of ninja movies. We also got a ton of action martial arts types films. I think like the American Kickboxer series kicked off. Uh, you know, we had we had like the best of the best was probably a few years away. That whole series, uh, American Ninja, you get what I'm talking about here. And Jim Cotta it fit right in there. But there was another craze kind of going on, and that was U.S. men's gymnastics. So 1985, we are just a year away, or a year past, I should say, uh, the men's gymnastics team just crushing it in the 84 Olympics. I mean, it kind of helped that Eastern Bloc nations, including Russia, weren't there. But, you know, they did it. And they were, you know, the, the U.S. men's gymnastics team, Bart Connor, Mitch Gaylord... 
some other guys. Um, I mean, they were really, really popular. And there was another popular gymnast at the time. There's a young man by the name of Kurt Thomas. Now, people of my generation and, and older will probably remember that name. And, you know, some of the younger people out there probably have no idea who I'm talking about. Kurt Thomas was kind of like, you know, from the late 70s into early 80s, he was U.S. men's gymnastics golden boy. I think he was one of the first U.S. men uh, in the world championships to score a gold medal in like an individual event. Uh, you know, the hype was really on him. He was really favored to win uh, the men's all-around title and, and some other individual titles and maybe even help guide the U.S. men's uh, gymnastics team to a pretty decent finish at the 1980 Olympics. But as I'm sure a lot of you know, we boycotted those Olympics. Uh, right around that time, you know, Russia had invaded Afghanistan, and we, you know, the the summer games that year, 1980, were going to be held in Moscow. So the U.S. declined to send a team. So Kurt Thomas never got his chance, uh, you know. And by the time '84 rolled around, the, you know, the thing is. In order for him to compete, he had to stay an amateur. And the thing is, is he was a hot commodity. Uh, you know, he was insanely popular. And, you know, he... I get it. You know, he wanted to start making some money. So he kind of for foregoed or gave up, or uh, I can speak very well today. You know, he gave up his amateur status to start to pursue some endeavors that would allow him to earn money. So he filmed Jim Cotta. <laughs> this is probably why, if, you know, if you're not from my generation, this is probably why the name Kurt Thomas means absolutely nothing to you. Um, so again, like I said, if we look at the, the, the very basic premise of this film, it mixes gymnastics and karate. As the tagline says, the thrill of gymnastics, the kill of karate. Uh, you know, that's what we got with this film. And you know, if you think about it you know take take out everything else from this film the horrible production value the really crappy story the fact that kurt thomas is a gymnast and he is in no way shape or form an actor at all take all that away i mean if you think about it mixing martial arts with gymnastics why not why not i mean it's kind of a natural fit you know uh you get somebody who's very athletic and you know kurt thomas is incredibly athletic i mean he was a very gifted gymnast you know and if he can somehow learn some some fighting moves if he can learn some martial arts i mean you could do something very entertaining with that now you know like i said on the surface it seems really really good as this film will go on to prove it's not as good as you think it is and again, it's not because Kurt Thomas was a gymnast and is in no way, shape or form a martial artist. And I mean, that does play into it. But the situations, um, you know, y combining martial arts and gymnastics and relying on some gymnastics tropes, like I said, the pommel horse, uh, the, the parallel bar or uneven parallel bars and the, the rings and, and, and whatnot, uh, y you know, it's it's. You, you can't really sneak that stuff into an action film unless the action film is about the mafia shaking down the local men's gymnastics gym or something. Okay, sure, then we can have a fight scene and incorporate a lot of these gymnastics equipment and moves and whatnot. But, uh, I mean, like I said, from top to bottom, from start to finish, I mean, this film is just so bad that it is so good. Here's the thing. Robert Klaus 
And again, I'm sure a lot of people are not familiar with that name. Robert Klaus directed this film. Robert Klaus is very, you know, I, I guess his big claim to fame, aside from Jim Cotta, uh, is he directed Enter the Dragon. Uh, he also helped kind of direct and put together um, Bruce Lee's Game of Death. Uh, you know, side story on that. As you know, Bruce Lee had filmed most of the fight scenes for Game of Death, but not a lot of the principal photography. Um, you know, they kind of cut in scenes and clips of him from other films. They had all the fight scenes kind of filmed already. Uh, they had actors with masks on, shot from behind, and, and whatnot. You know, and, and he helped do that. And he directed Jim Cotta. So the premise of this is, is there is a, a made-up country by the name of Parmistan. Now, they don't really kind of, they kind of come out and say it, but don't really come out and say it. It's basically kind of located, this country's kind of located in what's known as the Hindu Kush region, uh, which is really kind of like the area where, where um, Afghanistan, you know, it's like that, it's a large mountain range in Afghanistan. I believe it extends into China, maybe Nepal. I'm not a geography major, but basically that's where this film is located. So if you think about that, uh, that would put it very close to the Soviet Union. Um, so they're basically saying it's, you know, this little country called Parmistan is, is basically in that area. So... This is where, like, some issues really kind of start to creep in because the premise is, is that once a year, the country of Parmistan hosts something called The Game. It's basically like a, a, a gauntlet endurance type race where, you know, competitor, you know, people compete in it uh, and whoever wins the race, you know, makes it to the end first uh, is granted a wish, yeah okay it, it gets it gets even better um add in the fact that as they're going through the, the this race and there's quote-unquote stages in this race uh i mean there's one of the stages is there's kind of like a rope bridge or it's like a couple of ropes and you have to shimmy across it to get from one side of a ravine to another um you have to go through this walled off town where they you know it's sort of like their mental asylum like it's like an Arkham City kind of a thing. It's sort of like it's, you know, as they say in the film, you know, because this was 85 and we were not PC at all. You know, it's the loony bin, essentially. Like, you had to go through there. And there was a couple other ones. And you were pursued by the Parmistan, like, Parmistan soldiers or, or hunters or something. And that's the thing is it's, it's basically it's like a death race, you know. And uh, like I said, if you survive and win... Uh, step one you get to live and you get granted a wish which brings up a lot of problems if you think about it because if i won the race and then i said you know i wish for world peace I mean, it's not that it's not a magic it's not there's no genie there you know the the, the leader of the country the king of parmiston is going to grant your wish so you know it's got to be something practical that they could actually do um which leads me to believe is why would people want to compete in this race unless it was for like a lot of money and that's sort of the thing is is like is this an incredibly rich nation is it you know because the 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 country of parmiston now this film was was shot on location in the former yugoslavia so a lot of the scenes kind of, you know, and some of the, the buildings and, and uh, like I said, there was that walled city where the um, 
where the the you know their their quote unquote loony bin is uh, has a very kind of almost like medieval feel to it, like an old timey Europe Europe countryside kind of a feel. Again, this country is supposed to Parmistan is supposed to be in the Hindu Kush region, so you know some of the actors uh, like the king and and a lot of the extras kind of do have that look, sort of like Afghani, perhaps Mongolian. Golian sort of like nomadic tribes people they do have that kind of look and they do kind of have that garb um the the actress who who played the princess you know of course the love interest because you gotta have a love interest in this i believe she was a a filipino actress so she has a very asian look to her uh and let's just add on top of that that they also kind of dress her as asian it's almost like you try to pass her off as as asian as if you know this this afghanistan king just has an Asian daughter because we never see the queen, so we don't know what she looks like. And it's sort of like, well, they have their cultures and ways, but you know, she kind of does her thing. You know, it's it, it's 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 a mishmash. It's a really really big mishmash. You know, add on add on to that that the the, the main villain in this film, uh, a man by the name of Zamir, who is sort of like the king's right hand man, kind of like the head of the military sort of a thing. Uh, he's planning a coup. He wants to overthrow the king, so he's formed his own private army. He's played by. Uh, uh, an Australian martial artist who's appeared in, you know, and I, I don't have the actor's name right now, but he appeared in some of these like late 70s, early 80s martial arts films, a few Chuck Norris films. I think he was in the Octagon, um, for example. Uh, you know, so he in no way, shape, or form looks Middle Eastern or sort of like you know, Mongolian, Asian. I mean, he looks like a white guy, um, by the name of Zamir. I mean, he, he doesn't try to put an accent on. They kind of dress him very generically. He's almost kind of dressed like a, a ninja without a hood. Um, and he's, he's like the head of the military. And that's the thing too, is you look at this country, this tiny country of Parmistan, it's almost sort of like, you know, their military almost sort of looks like it would have been a killer military in the 1500s. You know, uh, bowmen on on horses and, and, and whatnot. But then we also see modern weaponry when Zamir tries to do his coup uh, with his own private army, which is, how is he hiding? Like, this king. The king is incredibly clueless. Like, everybody sort of knows that Zamir is going to, like, stab him in the back and take over the country. Um... And you probably say, why is that so important? It's because of the wish that they want Kurt Thomas to have granted. And we'll get to that in a second. But it's sort of like he's established his own private army with modern weaponry. And he's able to hide it from the king. The king is very, very clueless. His daughter is constantly telling him he's going to overthrow you. He's most likely going to kill you. He's going to force me to marry him. Blah, 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 blah. The king's like, no, he's a cool dude. And the reason we have armed guards around us is for our own protection. It's whatever um the other thing too is is if that's the case if the king is so clueless and he doesn't seem to have any sort of military and you pretty much have a modern military or a modern personal army why do you have to wait for the game just take it over and it's i mean so many plot holes so many questions in this so we're talking about the game we're talking about this big death race where once a year you win you get granted a wish well the sia 
No, I didn't stutter there. It's the SIA, uh, not the uh, not the CIA or the FBI, but the SIA, the Special Intelligence uh, Association. I guess you know when you when you're making a film and you want to reference something like the FBI or the CIA, I'm sure you have to get permission. I guess they just couldn't do that, so we'll just call it you know the Special Intelligence Agency. <laughs> I. Whatever. Uh, they basically approach Kurt Thomas, who we see at a gymnastics event. And they're sort of like, it's literally the way it happens is, is we see him, uh, you know, performing, you know, on different uh, sort of elements there. And he's doing very well. And he finishes up. The crowd is cheering. And there's a guy off to the side, kind of like behind the curtain with a suit, who kind of gives him a nod. And Kurt Thomas kind of gives him a nod. And then um, this is where you see how great the production value is. Uh, because the dubbing is way, way off. And by that, I mean the sounds and voices. They're slightly off from what you see on the screen. So somebody will be talking, uh, their mouth will start to move, and a second or two later, the words start coming out, that sort of a thing. Y- you see this off the bat. And it's basically, it's like, we're from the SIA. You know, It's, it's almost like they kind of know each other, but they kind of don't know each other. Um, basically, they approach him and they say, look, we want you to compete in the race. Uh, we want you to be granted a wish because our wish is, is the U.S. wants to install like um, uh, a satellite uh, station, a satellite receiving station or, or radar station or something that can monitor every single satellite, every satellite out there from this one tiny country. Parmistan is located in the key position to monitor every satellite out there. So, yeah, I mean, even in 1985, I mean, I wasn't buying that one. Um, And again, you know, it's sort of like this old, you know, you got the only way you could do this is if you win the game, even though this is a tiny country and they fight with bows and arrows. And, you know, it's not like we're going to try to negotiate anything. And, you, you know, not for nothing. You know, if the people of this country were sort of like, you know, looking at the king, like, you know, dude, other countries want to negotiate with you. You can get us some stuff in exchange for giving them stuff. You know, we can come out of the dark ages here. A lot of plot holes, like I said. So basically, they they basically approach him and they say, we want you to do this. Oh, by the way, uh, your dad, who's missing, uh, you know, he used to be a member of the SIA and he went to play the game and he disappeared. And, you know, and Kurt Thomas is just kind of like, okay, really doesn't care that his dad just suddenly disappeared one day and really had no idea that he was in the SIA and, and all that. So we, we, of course, you know, we got to get ready for the game. I mean, you know, Kurt Thomas is a great gymnast, but we got to train him. We have to have a training montage. I mean, films like this, action films, martial arts films, especially, you know, when we see our hero and we see that crazy or insurmountable quest that he has to go on, we've got a training montage, right? We get the most hackneyed, convoluted, training sequence ever uh he kind of has your stereotypical sort of japanese asian generic sort of like martial arts zen kind of guru who imparts wisdom really more than anything with a bunch of jumbled sayings uh, combined the fact that the dubbing and sound quality is really poor and, and, and the gentleman playing this this mentor or Zen master or whatever he's supposed to be has a very thick accent, you really can't hear too well what he's saying. And he's basically doing this as Kurt Thomas, once again, is really performing, you know, gymnastics tricks. Um, there's a thing where he's walking on his hands and he's like walking up the stairs on his hands, which is, I, I, I'm not like sitting here and saying like what, the, you know, I, I'm 
lucky I can bend down and touch my toes. He's in a handstand and he's going, and it's sort of like they started off like, wow, look how real wobbly he is. Oh, now he could do it really, really well. I mean, to me, that's like an exercise that's getting you strong. How that prepares you for fighting, I I don't know. And it's not like there's some specific challenge where you have to cross this section of the game on your hands, you know, in a handstand and, and kick people. Okay. Um, and, and again, there's sort of like uh, this, there's this one training sequence where you just know in your heart of hearts, like, this is going to come back later, um, where it's sort of like a, a, a kind of like, like a quiet yourself and listen to your surroundings sort of a thing where they blindfold him and they, they uh, shoot an arrow and it's like, you have to like hear it and sense it and get out of the way. It, it comes back later. You know, I mean, you just know it is. So basically he's all trained. He gets a thumb up from the princess and, and they're going to head in. They're going to sneak him in to compete in the game, which is like, why do you have to sneak him in? Why don't you just say, Hey, the U S wants to compete. And, and you know, here's Kurt Thomas. Cause I forget the character's name. Uh, it's a very generic name, probably like John Colton or something like that, or Stephen Colbert or whatever. Uh, you know, instead of them declaring like we're entering the race and here's our champion right here. Um, cause this is like, this seems to be like a known event and it's not like some underground thing or, you know, they, they sneak in and, you know, and I'm sure it has something to do with Zamir and, and, and the whole coup thing. I, like I said, it, it, a lot of this stuff just doesn't add up. But like I said, this movie is so bad. It's good. Um, and again, you know, look, Kurt Thomas, phenomenal gymnast, the guy's not an actor. I mean, he is not an actor at all. I mean, did he try? Absolutely. I'm sure he really, really tried. But it's like he's very stiff and wooden. When he's not running around and doing gymnastics, he's just very blank, very, very stiff. I mean, it's... The guy's not an actor. You know, I'm not going to fault him for it. Somebody said, hey, you want to make some money and make a movie? He said, sure. Um, it's, it's just... Oh, God. I mean... I think you're getting by now just how bad this film is. Uh, but like I said, once once the action gets going, it gets better. Kind of. Um, so we see the race begins, and there's all these competitors who seem to be former Olympic athletes, and they kind of sort of know each other. Uh, again, there's a generic um, sort of Asian athlete who uh, won the gold medal for judo or, or, or something like that. And, you know, he and Kurt Thomas kind of know each other because we were kind of in the Olympics, you know, like same time, dude. And then there's like apparently like a, a Russian, I think, I think he is Russian or they kind of allude to the fact that he's Russian. Um, so obviously, first of all, you know, it's 1985, you know, he's the bad guy because uh, he's a big brutish guy with a beard and, you know, he's very gruff and he probably, you know, slapped a waiter or something like that. Like you just know right off the bat, bad guy. Um, you know, and there's a couple other nameless, faceless, generic sort of competitors. Uh, you know, they all start dropping one by one. Uh, it kind of comes down to Kurt Thomas and, and the Russian wrestler. Let's just call him Zangief because he kind of looked like Zangief. Uh, and this is when the, the, the old quiet yourself and listen to your surroundings because uh, he's, he's fighting um, Zangief and kind of like Zangief has him kind of like in a bear hug and Kurt Thomas is starting to get out of it and and then kind of like you know oh I think I hear an arrow coming and 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 ducks down and Zangief bites it um and again like I said this is Jim Cotta so we have Kurt Thomas uh he's not a martial artist he's a gymnast so we got to show off his gymnastic skills but with fighting so there are scenes where and I mean okay 
when he gets into the the loony bin, this giant sort of Walden city where he's got to fight his way through past all these insane people who basically just kind of stagger around going, <laughs> um, you know, there, there's a scene where he's basically being rushed by all of them and he's kind of fighting and uh, there's like a flip kind of a kick and there's kind of like a punch and then he kind of runs into the town square where there's a pommel horse. I mean, it's it's not even like... It's not even like they tried to, to make it disguised as something like, you know, maybe this is the town square where, you know, you have like a person selling clothes and a person selling this and there's like a butcher and he's got his butcher table and it kind of sort of looks like a pommel horse and there's kind of sort of him. It's essentially a pommel horse that they kind of like try to decorate to make it look like it's old and just been there this whole time. And again, look. I can't do any of the stuff that, that Kurt Thomas can do. And he does amazing gymnastics, but it's like, really? It's like he's fighting him on a pommel horse. I mean, he's spinning around, he's whipping around, he's whipping his legs around. Reality of it is, is he's surrounded by about 50 or 60 people. Sure, you're going to kick, kick a couple of guys, but if they all rush you, uh, I mean, they're going to tackle you down and that's it. Let's also throw in the fact that Kurt Thomas is, you know, while he is in incredible shape, and I'm sure, you know, at that time with one hand, he probably could have lifted me over his head because, you know, gymnasts have insane strength. He is tiny. He is a short man. And seeing him as an action hero with, like, no reactions whatsoever, no facial expressions, no emotions, and he's tiny... You just don't buy it. I mean, they really relied heavily on the fact that he's going to do some cool gymnastics. And he does. It's just like, could have been a gymnastics film. Because this came out in 85. In 86 or 87, there was a film starring Mitch Gaylord, who was a member of the 1984 gymnastics team, uh, called American Anthem. And it was sort of like the Rocky Balboa of gymnastics. Because like I said, we were kind of caught up a little bit in gymnastics fever. Uh, you know, U.S. really did well in the 84 Olympics. Again, Russia was not there. You know, we had Mary Lou Retton with her famous vault and winning the all-around. So we were kind of a little high there on gymnastics. So Mitch Gaylord, he's kind of good-looking dude. The chicks dug him, and they threw him into a movie where he was a gymnast doing gymnastics and he's the bad boy of gymnastics and he gets kicked off the team and he fights his way back on and blah 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 stick Kurt Thomas in that that's kind of his element right there you know trying to make him an action star it was noble but you didn't do him any service there and you didn't do him any justice doing that but like I said look at the end of the day I mean this film is god awful there's really nothing great about it except for the fact that it is so bad you will enjoy hating it. So, like I said, run right out to your local Blockbuster and rent it or download it. I'm sure you could do it either way. Guys, thanks for listening. Do me a favor. Uh, head on over to Instagram. Stuff You Don't Need to Know is there. Um, check out the stuff that I post there. Uh, message me. Leave me comments. Uh, for Black Belt Theater, hey, what do you got, What do you want me to talk about? You know, recommend a film for me. Uh, when I talk about some obscure films, too, if there's an obscure film out there that you want me to bring attention to and I've seen it, I will absolutely do it. Uh, what else should you check out? Well, again, listen to us here on Anchor. Anchor, iTunes, Pocket Cast, Overcast, Google Play, really anywhere you can find a podcast, you will find stuff you don't need to know. Thanks to Anchor, Anchor has now allowed really every access point 
uh, to use their call-in feature. So you don't have to necessarily use Anchor. Anywhere you listen to this podcast, I think they give you a link and you should be able to call in. So if you don't want to leave me a message on Instagram, you want to call in and leave me a message, give me ideas, let me know how I'm doing. I'd really, really appreciate it. This is Jay and I will talk to you guys later.